Keep up to date on all the bowl games with the ESPN College Football Podcast, hosted by a rotating talent roster, including Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollock, Booger McFarlane, Paul Feinbaum, Joey Galloway, and more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Monday afternoon. I've got two very busy people here, and so we're very fortunate to be able to carve some time out. And I'm not just saying that. I am dead serious. Uh, Joining us from Oakland, where he is, uh, I believe, later today, flying to Vegas for the um, G League Showcase, is the undefeated's Mark Spears. Hey, Mark. I am excited to see the Ignite. Mm-hmm. You had a piece on the Ignite on uh, the undefeated say, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. I think you're going there to see more than the Ignite. I think. No, got, not uh, now. I'm, ah. I'm actually like staying off the strip, man. I'm not playing. Uh, well, I mean, executives, it's like a convention. I'm not. Oh, I'm not okay. I thought you were talking about like hanging out no. in Vegas. I would never do that. I would never say that about you. <laughs> joining us from Los Angeles. I think it's his first visit to the Hoop Collective. Woo-hoo. Um George Sedano, he he has a radio show. He does sidelines, and you're going to be working on Christmas, George, right? You're going to be in Milwaukee. Yep, yep. I will be there for Bucks and Celtics with Dave Pash and Hubie Brown. Um, uh, and and although I am a little jealous that Mark gets to go to Vegas, although I don't know how much fun Vegas would be to his point right now. Yeah. And you, hey, but, hey, but Brian, did you send him the hat and um, coffee mug that you sent me when I went on for the first time? <laughs> no, I did not get any of that. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It's uh, it's allegedly in the mail. Yeah. I just know. Um, so Spears, um, the G League showcase, like on one hand, it's like, boy, is it a good idea to bring 30 teams together right now with this variant flying around? On the other hand, these teams are need replacement players and yeah if they want to win some games it might be a good idea to see who might actually be in good shape and can play and so yeah. i actually think i mean this is not exactly what i want to make a big topic in our conversation here but like the executives got to see who they can sign off the street in this yeah. next few weeks no this is probably the most valuable g league showcase ever right like because you could get guys signed um immediately after a game you know like it's interesting mario chalmers just got involved and he's playing for denver shabazz muhammad lance stevenson was already playing there so right now i mean every team probably has to have a list of about 10 to 20 guys (laughs) that you could sign and perhaps part of the reason why you know isaiah thomas who was in the g league was attracted to the lakers was at least he kind of knew their system a little bit because he what went tried out the camp with him, right? So I mean, no, he, had spent yeah, some time there before. Couple, yeah, he played with him a couple years ago too. I mean, the thing is, right now, like if you need a guy to come play minutes, like the Lakers signed Isaiah Thomas and he was in the starting lineup twenty four hours later, or something like that, thirty six <laughs> hours later. Yeah, yeah. You got to make sure that the guys are in shape. So you yeah. take a look at the guy and say, because I think CJ Miles, yeah, he he signed with the Ignite. With the Ignite, the Ignite yeah. yeah, the Ignite is the um the team with the guys, pre-draft guys who get paid, but they have like three or four veteran players. He signed with the Ignite. Somebody must have seen him practice. And then he I don't even think he ever played a game with them, did he, Spears? 
I did not recall seeing him yesterday. Like he just signed. So I, I think a lot, you know what happens typically is right before the G League showcase, a bunch of former NBA players who are trying to get back in. They don't want to do the whole season, but they'll jump in around showcase time, hoping some team will, will pick them up, which is probably a big reason why we see Shabazz Muhammad, CJ Miles, and uh, Mario Chalmers all, all of a sudden playing. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about the G League Ignite in a little bit because you had a piece on them uh, today that came out. But uh, I want to talk about um, we saw a tremendous performance in their first game back in a week from the Bulls uh, Sunday against the Lakers. And DeMar DeRozan had another premium effort and 38 points. I think he had 19 in the fourth quarter and he didn't play the whole quarter. And the Bulls, despite their um, you know unfortunate battle with COVID, um, they're they're in second place in the Eastern Conference, and, and DeRozan is driving it. Not all of their guys are back yet. Uh, Zach Levine is not back yet. George, uh, you are around the league a lot. You see a bunch of games in person because you're doing sidelines. Um, Demar Derozan, I mean, the guy's been in the league for like 12, 13 years. He doesn't, nothing he's doing right now is that surprising. He's being Demar Derozan, but the way he has lifted the Bulls, and he definitely brought that win home for them uh, Sunday night. Derozan's one of the great stories in the league so far uh, so, that we've seen so far. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, if you remember during free agency and Brian, you know, you you and Mark covered that way more extensively than I did. You know, I just sat back and watched. But he was kind of like an afterthought, I felt like, when it came to free agency. And there were a lot of other players that were being prioritized ahead of, uh, ahead of him. And I think that, you know, for all the talk about him as a player, and he's uniquely gifted, he's kind of a throwback, as we all know, particularly because he dominates the mid-range in a way that we haven't seen in a really long time. But I think that that stuff... I think doesn't sit well with him, right? That his game doesn't age right or properly and that he can't be as effective in today's game. Like, I think all that stuff sticks in his craw. Um, I also think that in this particular contest against the Lakers, you know, the Lakers were also rumored to potentially bring him in and he would, he would have been fine being the guy coming back home and get, getting the, the, the homecoming that Russell Westbrook got. And I think some of that stuff isn't necessarily coincidence that he's had really good games uh, against them. He also has great games against the Clippers, too. Yeah. Um, Spears, you did a piece on DeRozan a few weeks ago where he talked about his father. His father died earlier this year, um, and you he talked a lot about what, uh, what he meant to him. But, you know, going back home to Los Angeles in the offseason – where he had just lost his father, his mother is still there. I believe he's an only child. So he is, you know, when he comes home, he's, you know, the child to come home. I'm sure Los Angeles was on his mind and he said as much, uh, has said as much in interviews. Um, but, uh, you know, losing his father the same year, he was a free agent. It was a, it was a, a pretty big decision for Chicago for him. Yeah. He, you know what? I think some teams to George's point were kind of being lackadaisical with him. And there's been a lot of talk about, why didn't DeRozan like play for the Lakers? I mean, obviously you see Russ there and uh, they, they found Russ more valuable. Um, but I, I remember Aaron Goodwin, um, uh, DeRozan's agent, basically telling agents, 
if you really want DeMar to come play, it's probably good that you talk to him face-to-face. Um, and so Mark Eversley, the Bulls general manager, took that to task. And they, they have a connection, him and DeMar, that goes back to the Toronto days. So they've known each other basically early part of both of their careers, right? Build a bond. And, and you know, it, it takes DeMar a while to just trust people. And so Eversley flew in, talked to him, you know, gave him some comfort level that if I do go to Chicago, I got a guy there. I got somebody I could talk to that's important there and saw what they had, saw Zach Vucevic, two, two guys we probably don't talk about enough. And obviously they built, a, they got a really nice supporting cast there. And also I think he saw an opportunity. Okay. It's not LA, but Chicago's still a big market. Um, He's played in Canada. He's played in San Antonio. So I think a lot of what he's done has kind of not get, been given the respect it deserves. And now, you know, we're seeing that mid-range. Um, we're seeing him average the fifth most points in the NBA. 26.8 and Zach's right behind him, although he's sidelined right now with COVID. Um, I think this is a special time for him. And because of the pieces that the Bulls have, they're a scary team, too. I, I, I really believe that they're going to continue to get better and better and that they're capable of beating anybody um, in the league. Um, and the one quote from my story, my, my talk with DeMar that stood out to me about why the Bulls is working, he said, nobody is selfish. Everyone wants to go out there and have fun. And you see that. When you watch the Bulls play, man, they're really, really fun to watch up and down. Caruso's been great there. Ball has been great there. I, I really enjoy watching them play. And but I, I do think DeRozan's the biggest part of their resurgence. Well, and Brian, if you if you look at it historically, and I'm looking at it right here, he averages the third most points per game against the Lakers. In 28 games, he's averaging 22.1. That's only behind Portland. Um 23.6 in 27 games and 28 games against, or check that 37 games against Miami, which is second at 22.4. So he certainly gets up for the Lakers. Like, I, I think that that is something, I mean, I've had conversations with him in the past about that. Um, you know, the Clippers, you know, historically, it looks like it, it's not as, uh, you know, statistically not as great a game for him, but he, he circles the Lakers on his calendar every single time. Let me let me go over the Lakers DeRozan thing real quick. So LeBron, who apparently was just you know, the leading edge of the Lakers negotiating guy last year, um, he talked with DeRozan um, before free agency uh, about him coming to the Lakers. Um, and I'm not sure only LeBron would know how interested he was in the, in, in the ranking. Um DeMar told Yahoo that he thought he was going to be a Laker. So, you know, DeMar doesn't throw stuff like that around. So there must've been a reason he said that. I don't know who gave him that message, but DeMar believed it. So I know that there was a period where there was a rumor that DeMar would like maybe take the biannual, um, or not the biannual, but the, um, the, the taxpayer mid-level, um, you know, five or 6 million a year because he wanted to go home. 
I don't think that was ever in play. I don't think that was ever true based on my conversations. Um, but the big challenge with the Lakers and DeMar was that the only way to get him was through a sign and trade. Um, regardless of what his salary was going to be, the only way they were, because he wasn't going to take $6 million. I mean, he got $28 million a year from the Bulls. Right. His salary was literally, his value was literally four times that. There's no way he's taken that. So he, he might have gone to the Lakers for less than $28 million a year. Um, but you know, he wasn't going for the exception. That meant there had to be a sign and trade. If the Lakers had received DeMar DeRozan in a sign and trade, they would have been hard capped. They only, um, could have spent so much money this year. Um, I believe the number was 143 million. That's the number that they could not have spent a dollar more than, and they had to fill this roster. So even before the Westbrook trade had Westbrook not even come into it, the Lakers were going to have a very difficult time because by the way, Lakers payroll is 163, 164 million. So they're 20 million over that hard cap. And the, the Westbrook trade with the with the um Wizards, even though they sent out three players, um they added only about seven million. Westbrook cost about seven million more than the combined salaries of uh Kyle Kuzma, Cantavius Caldwell Pope, and um uh Montrez Harrell. All of the, the put those three together, seven million dollars less than Westbrook. So even if you didn't didn't do the Westbrook trade, they were gonna have a very tough time making a deal with DeRozan where it would have worked. So I don't necessarily think that it was like, oh, we are picking Westbrook over DeRozan. That said, when you watch the way that that DeRozan plays the game now, he is a, a little bit of a different player than he was in Toronto. When he went to San Antonio, they really be, let him become more of a playmaker. In the game against the Lakers on Sunday night, he was bringing the ball up the court in the fourth quarter because that's not something that Zach Levine is going to do. And even Lonzo, while he's a point guard by trade and is going to get a lot of assists, Lonzo can play off the ball. So that's one of the things DeRozan was already becoming a playmaker before he left Toronto. He really developed that in San Antonio where he could actually operate your offense. And so if you're a Laker fan, I think you look at it and say, boy, could you have had DeRozan and he could have been the kind of playmaker that LeBron wanted and what he was hoping to get in Westbrook. Yes, he could have been. I definitely think it could have worked, but I don't think don't in my view from what from what I get Spears talking to people, it it's not like Buddy Healed, where the where the Lakers said, no, we're going Westbrook over Buddy Healed. I don't think it was quite like that. But DeMar obviously, whatever his conversations with LeBron were, he obviously thought he was going to be a Laker. Yeah, and and let let's pretend that he is, Brian, because you are to me the LeBron aficionado, right? You you've seen him with Westbrook. Maybe you've not as him. much today as in years past, but generally. but well, no, but indulge me. But boss, love, you're, you're familiar. Yeah. How does does DeRozan fit better than Westbrook? Worse? Like it? it how would that have? I mean, or is he better right now? It looks like going to Chicago was the better move for him. Yeah. Although um, playing at home would have been cool and it yeah. certainly would have been sexier to play with LeBron and AD, but I mean, he's the, he's the guy in, in Chicago and whereas in LA, he would have been a third fiddle. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I shouldn't, I shouldn't think from my guess is he doesn't have many regrets. I mean, not only that he got 28 million a year. I mean, when, when DeRozan signed with the bulls, there, there was a surprise at a, the amount of money. Um, because three for 85 was more than anybody thought he would get. 
Um, the Bulls definitely, uh, you know, and not only that, but they also had to trade Thad Young and a first round pick. So it was a, it, you know, they really wanted him. Um, and so he got paid a lot. Um, but also, you know, he knew that Lon, I mean, the Bulls knew Lonzo was in the fold. You want to know how we know that? Because they guys got busted for tampering. So when Mark, <laughs> when Mark Eversley, I mean, the whole league knew that Lonzo was going to Chicago, but when Mark Eversley went to, to meet with, uh, uh, with DeMar, I mean, it, it got around, um, the day of the opening of the, um, free agency, it got around that the bulls were going after DeMar, but I don't think it was a done deal. Um, I think they did have to sell him on it and the vision that they had for the team, obviously, um, obviously worked. And the thing people, people were surprised about the amount of the money because, uh, DeRozan was coming off the max, but that was higher than people thought he would get 28 million a year. Uh, and then people were thinking that like the bulls would not necessarily be able to defend that, that, you know, DeRozan has a, has a, um, has a history of not being a good defender and Vucevic is not believed to be a good defender. Um, and even with Lonzo and then a couple of things happened. One, they subsequently signed Alex Caruso who absolutely, who helps them immensely on the perimeter. And two, they play very well within the system together. And so, you don't see much complaining about the Bulls defense. The Bulls defense has been way better than we thought. Um, and so it's been a terrific situation. Uh, I doubt he does have regret, regret spears. I think you're probably right. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting because I, I, well, I was one of those skeptics. I didn't think that their defense would be this good, but you know, it's obviously been disproven otherwise, but going back to what he would look like on the Lakers, um, you know, Look, I mean, he's a far more efficient player than Russell Westbrook is. And I think that could be the thing that ends up dooming the Lakers is his lack of efficiency. You know, it's great when he's hitting that three in the corner against the Dallas Mavericks. But how many did he miss before you got to that? You know what I'm saying? Like, whereas with DeMar, he really understands his game in a way that I think few players do. In the sport, like, I'm not saying he doesn't attempt threes because he clearly does, um, but he only attempts one or two a game. Maybe he may be above that now, but not very much. Um, and I, I just think he understands this is what I'm really good at. And this is what where I'm going to eat. Right. And, and I think that with LeBron, he always figures it out. And I just think it would have been easier to figure out potentially with DeMar. So, yes, would he have been the third fiddle? Maybe because Anthony Davis has not played the way that people expect Anthony Davis to play. And I know that we can push back on that saying he's either first or second and, you know, points in the pain and et cetera, et cetera. And those kind of statistical categories where he should be there. But I still feel like there is this sense with Anthony Davis that despite that, you should still be getting more from him. Um, you know, the comparison to Giannis specifically to me, I, I don't even think that they're in the same um, particular category at this particular moment um, based on what Giannis accomplished last year and the type of numbers Giannis has this year. So I think LeBron would have welcomed a guy like DeMar with that type of efficiency, knowing exactly um, what he wants to do with his game. Where With Russ, it, it feels like at times you never really know what you're going to get from night to night or even quarter to quarter or potentially possession to possession. 
The annual NBA on Christmas Day tradition continues with five of the best gifts anyone could ask for. The star-studded schedule starts at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN, with the Hawks taking on the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Then, over on ABC, the Celtics square off against the Bucks, followed by the Suns hosting the Warriors. Then, on ABC and ESPN, the Nets battle the Lakers, with the day capped off by the Mavs clashing with the Jazz at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. What a Christmas Day NBA lineup. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Yeah, so the Bulls, um, Arturis Kanishevis, he had sort of an uneven first couple years as the president. Um, The Patrick Williams draft pick was, I mean, and they had bad luck. He's out for the year. You know, we're not 100% sure what Patrick Williams is going to be. They made the Vucevic trade last year, gave up a couple of firsts, and then it didn't really pan out. Um, You know, he was under some level of pressure to improve a lot this past summer. And he identified DeRozan and Ball and, and went for it. And I have to say, like, he's going to be an executive of the year candidate, Spears. I mean, um, he, you know, and, and the, the pressure, the, the, the pressure was real there because if, if, if these guys hadn't worked out, the team would have been, you know, capped out, um, you know, owing several first round picks that, you know, they had to give another first round pick to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to, to get to Rose. And they ended up getting one back when they signed and trade Larry Markinen. But, um, you know, he had really kind of stuck his neck out to make this roster work. You know, Billy Donovan had done okay his first year, but, you know, didn't overachieve. Um, and so there was some level of like this better work um, for the Bulls. And it has, here they are in second place. And I don't know how the, um, how the Nets are going are gonna to pan out. But, um, you know, they got to feel really good about where they are year over year. Yeah, and it, isn't it fun to see the Bulls good? You know, Chicago yeah. rocking, to see that arena rocking. and yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I guess, what we hope for for New York this season, which, <laughs> like, hasn't panned out. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy for DeRozan, man, like that he's finally getting his love because I, I, I truly feel like and, – and, look, it certainly would have happened in L.A. if he got big games. But being in Chicago, being in L.A., this is – is going to be the greatest highlight or spotlight that he will have in his career. And, 
you know, if if he could get if if the Lakers win with him, he's just a part of the LeBron, you know, crew. But if he could get the Bulls to heights that they haven't seen since 23, I mean, legendary. Right. Le- legendary in Chicago. And so I'm I'm curious to see where this goes, man. They're they're really thirsty for something special again there. He's fun to watch. Their their team is I I, I really think that they're going to continue to get better and better and better and they don't really have pressure on them. Um and and I think it's that key thing that I mentioned before is that that this is an unselfish team. There is no egos. They haven't done anything to have any egos. But they just seem to be just a good fit, a good team. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Mark Galt, the only thing I would add is before we get to 23, um, can we just let him be the team? Can we let them be the team they were in 2011? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, before yeah. we go back that yeah. far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. that team didn't win nothing either. I know, but at least they were, we thought they could have, and they were yeah. in the conference finals, you know? So, I mean, yeah. let, there was these Celtics step. teams and these uh, Heat teams. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's still the Bucks and the Nets in, in, in the way of this, but uh, Miami, I think, will f- figure it out eventually. But man, I every time I watch these dudes play, I'm like, they're a problem, man. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a problem. And, um, we, we got to start talking about the Bulls more. Yeah. Well, uh, I am, I really, really like Zach Levine is so much different as a player now than he was four years ago. And he has never had team success in his career and he wants it real bad. And so when the two of them play at a high level, like we've seen uh, a lot this year, they are very difficult to beat. And if you give them yeah. home court advantage and they look like they are a team, uh, assuming health, uh, that should be a top four team in the East, that is a difficult building to play in. Um, they're not going to have that much experience having to play together. Lonzo's never been in a playoff game. Levine's never been in a playoff game. Uh, Vucevic early in his career with Philly. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have some growing pains probably in the postseason, but you give them home court advantage. They're going to be a hard team to be four out of seven. If they're fully healthy, we can, that we can already see. Um, okay. So it's Monday afternoon right now. There's a little bit over 70 guys in health and safety protocols in the league. Um, pretty much of a players in health and safety protocols. It means they tested positive a year ago when, um, uh, players could be put in put in those protocols if they were a close contact. You just didn't really know. Um, now, if a player is vaccinated, he doesn't he doesn't get become a close contact. So that means you know. And not only that, it's about fifteen percent of the league, and you know that doesn't cl- count. You know, quite a few guys who've come out of the protocols over the last ten days. Um, you know, the league isn't really talking about this, but um, in talking to some people that I uh, know who have access to this information. Uh, you know, the league sequences um, most of the cases. What I mean by that is they go look at what variant it is. Um, and the, the, you know, there's a, there's a belief in the league that this is indeed Omicron and you don't have to be, uh, you know, have super special, uh, uh, you know, information to figure that out. All the, the, we really didn't have many infections, and all of a sudden, a massive wave hit in the last ten to fourteen days when this variant arrived, and so that's what's happening. 
many of the players uh, are are mildly sick or asymptomatic. And that is the best news about this all is so the league is really focusing on managing the problem. That- it's, it's great. We haven't had any deaths. Well, we haven't even had anybody go to the hospital <laughs> right. in, in my knowledge. Are you sure? So, Are you sure, though? I'm not sure. No, I'm not I, sure. I, would they tell us? Do, Good question. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – I'm just being devil's advocate here. I I don't know that unless somebody was in dire straits or we had some source at a hospital that they would tell us. Well, I think a lot of players have the option to get the antibodies. Yeah. Uh, like like, I know like that, Brian, like Kyrie doesn't have a vaccine. Like how's Kyrie doing? We have no clue. Maybe you do. I, I like how is he really doing? Listen, man, I'm not going to Kyrie. Good luck getting. I don't even know what to say. I will say this. I'm not surprised at all that. I mean, Kyrie was look at the league. Kyrie was going to get it. Yeah. So you hope that he, you hope that he gets proper treatment and recovers. Um, but it's if scary. You're gonna, yeah. If you're going to get, if you're, I mean, when Kyrie decided to come, I don't, I can't, I don't know what goes on, what he thinks about, but if you're unvaccinated and there's a couple of, you know, there, I think it's, is it well known that Josh Richard, I think Josh Richardson has said he's unvaccinated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's tested guy with the maps, uh, guard with the map. Well, he, Josh Richardson has tested positive four times now, dating back to 2020. Yeah. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is has it for the third time. He has come out and said he is unvaccinated. So if you are unvaccinated in the league, you you have to believe that there's a very good chance you're going to get it. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So as soon as Kyrie agreed that he was going to come back, um uh he had to know that there was a there was a strong chance he was going to become infected and if yeah. he didn't i don't again i don't know what to say to him so hopefully he's he's going to be okay and if he is durant harden and kyrie will have all had it at the same time and they can recover and hopefully they will then be protected for the rest of the year with antibodies i don't know if they will be but hopefully they will be. And if there's a bright side, as long as they recover, that's what the Nets can think about right now. I will say this. When I was with the Nets 10 days ago, there was rumblings that Kyrie and, you know, Sham Sharania from the, from the athletic reported on it a couple days later, as he said, there was optimism. Those talks and those considerations were going on before the COVID wave hit the Nets. James Harden was complaining, not complaining, but chirping about his minute load. And he even skipped a game in Detroit, even though he had an off day on either side of it um, because of high minutes. And looking back, I think that that was part of a campaign to the team to say, I need some help here. I think that, that you know, I know that the Nets said, that it was related to the COVID outbreak. And maybe they acquiesced at that moment because of the COVID outbreak. But the discussions about changing off of their stance started before the Nets roster got into COVID trouble, just from what I am told, just to be clear. Um, And the Nets position 
situation. The, the, the Nets can't really, there's nothing they can say. They, they pivoted. You can use a different verb if you want. They pivoted. Um, and they pivoted, I think, because their players, in their star players in particular, made their opinions known on the, on the position. And if you're going to, if you're going to acquiesce to any player in the, in the country, uh, I can understand why you'd want to go along with Kevin Durant. The guy is invaluable, but they pivoted Spears. And um, I think we're going to see a lot of pivots in relation to COVID stuff in the next few weeks, because even the NBA, I think they're already changing rules because they know that to manage this, um, you, being hard and fast is not going to work. Yeah, the, the, there's not going to be another bubble. No way. The, the, day, the days of the bubble are gone. And now they, they certainly, it's kind of funny when I think back about how in the dark we were about everything back then compared to now. And so I, I do think it was, it's not it's, it's smart for the NBA and under the circumstances, but it certainly sucks for the fans to have to see this product. But I think they would rather see this product of, you know, Kevin and the miracles, KD and the miracles <laughs> or whatever. Right. Then, you know, and it's funny was uh, uh, Austin Rivers called a bunch of no names or what he said. I, I saw this quote about it, like bunch of, I didn't even know who these people were, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, we don't uh, scouting report. He goes, we don't even know who they are. Yeah, we don't even like, know who they are. It, like, get you get used to it, and um, you know, somewhere in there, there's a great story about there's gonna be somebody on Christmas that we never heard of is gonna have an amazing game, man, and I can't wait to see have some kind of Andre Ingram performance, right? Let, let's see if the Lakers pick him up again too, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. I, I saw that Stein just reported that Stowski got, just got picked up by, I think, Toronto or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, Christmas Day is going to be one of the oddest Christmas days ever. Mm-hmm. But considering where we were last Christmas when they when the league just showed up, I, I think fans will take it. Sure, you know I, I'll go see as, as like is even Kevin or Trey or like seems like most of the stars probably will be at the Suns Warriors game. But I don't want to speak too soon. Like George, you're gonna be working like you know, uh, Ryan. Like what are we looking at on Christmas? Well, I, I, at least yeah. at least for my game, I, I'm I mean, I'm Giannis has been in protocols for long enough where I think he should be available for Christmas. I think it's it's a, a real possibility. Um, but some of these other games, right, like this, you know, at this stage, if you get put in protocols, there's a pretty good chance you won't play on Christmas uh, if you're one of those 10 teams at this at this moment. Um, and with Brooklyn. I'm definitely curious to see what that's going to look like. Uh, But to double back, and I want to ask you guys this question real quick on something you were saying, Brian, about Brooklyn. Certainly Kevin Durant and James Harden's minute load was a factor in this. But how much of it do you think was a factor in regards to the fact that they haven't really beaten any good teams? Like if you look at their schedule, yeah, they beat Philly in like game two or whatever, but losses to Milwaukee, Miami when they were at full strength, Chicago a couple of times, Golden State, Phoenix. 
Um, you know, I know there's a loss to Houston in there somewhere, but um, it might have, it was certainly during their streak, but the, I don't consider them a good team. But like, do, does that play a factor in it? And, and I, I don't know what to think of when Kyrie comes back for these road games. Like, yeah, in the regular season, it's one thing. But if we're in the playoffs and he's available for games, I don't know, let's just say one and two, and then not available for three and four, like, I don't know how any of that plays out. And I don't think anyone would know how that plays out. But I, I just my initial reaction to that is that that probably can't be easy to try to maneuver around. Yeah, I got I think I, we got to go get Kiki Vandeway on the phone. If I'm not mistaken, Kiki Vandeway's dad was a doctor for and. Didn't he like uh, play for the Lakers, but he only played like home games or something like that? Do you know that story? I know the story, but I can't verify that that's true. But yeah, yeah, I, I, well, I for the Knicks, he played like for the Knicks, but I think he was only like, <laughs> like it's just so odd, right? Like you can't play at home. Yeah. And then I'll so, meet, hey, meet y'all. I'll meet you at the plane when we're we're going on the road. <laughs> but hey, I can't play in Toronto. Right. Yeah, it's just it's like, weird. And then you got all these home games coming up. So when does he debut? Yeah. So well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how he's healthy is. But I mean, you know, and and and, and what and, and Brian, can he? He's he'll be on the All Star ballot. Like, like does he play in the All Star game? Like, <laughs> All Star games voted in as a starter. Yeah, I don't so, want to undersell how they have to maneuver around all this stuff, even when he is back. Yeah, so on Monday, the city of Boston uh, introduced a new law about people working in um, in uh, venues having to be vaccinated, similar to the New York law. Um, however, um, some reporting out of Boston that I read uh, Monday, and I mean, maybe by Tuesday when this pod comes out, it'll be either clarified or disproven. There was some reporting that there was a provision in that law that exempted pro athletes. So mm. that would, you know, would clear any Celtics who might be unvaccinated of which I believe there are some, I know, well, I know Josh Richardson right off the bat, Josh Richardson, who is in COVID protocols for the second time in two weeks. Um, he is not vaccinated. And under, if this law was like the New York law or the San Francisco law for Wiggins could not play without being vaccinated. Um, do, you, do you think the players care? That you they have care a, if, it, if it takes like their money. Fascinated teammate. Um, I think it's got to be case by case, Spears, because you know I think there are probably some players who are like, "Now wait a minute, you told me I had to get two shots, then you told me I have to get boosted because that's what the league is working on now to sort of yeah. make boosting the new fully vaccinated. That if you don't have if you don't have a boost." a booster, then it will be deemed like you have no shots basically. Um, and I'm still, I'm still sick. Uh, I'm still in some of them. And, and in many cases, guys are feeling fine and are home and not playing. And I think they're like, wait a minute, I followed all the rules yeah. and I'm home. What, what gives here? And, you know, a lot of players who, you know, were skittish about taking it and took it and are still either sick or, you know, positive. I think that's a, an issue for the league. Um, and so, you know, but these I think are a lot things. of them are also foolish to think, and this is, you know, a, a broader scale for humankind and 
to think that just because you got the vaccine that you can't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, but oh yeah, like, it was never a hundred percent. I mean, like, like but you red, got. Red, I think yeah. there's players that like I, I, I did what you guys told me to do. You know, and then I, I heard a player who I'll leave nameless uh, get upset because they got a, like a text from Adam Silver telling them to wear a mask on on the bench. And he's like, well, what did I get all these vaccinations for to have to wear a mask on the bench? But I, I'll say this to the NBA, which I've never understood, and they've never really answered this, is why are fans in a lot of places still not wearing masks at all? Well, like, like that's I'm a totally situation. convinced, Brian, that I, I, when I got COVID during the finals, that it was at game two, um, where it was, it was uh, really, really like they had fans, right? We were sandwiched in between fans there in the media seats. And my dumb ass took my mask off for like five minutes to get something to eat. And I, I wish whatever that was I ate, which was probably unhealthy, I'm guessing, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> like eating from the – like, like – I, I just don't understand, and they say maybe it's a staffing issue, why fans who are yelling and screaming near the players who are, are, are able to be unmasked, but the, the, the fans should have the same like rules that the players should have to adhere to, right? Yeah, so exactly. Should have to to. I, I, so I'm with you, Mark. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm out there doing games, and just to give people a little, like, you know, a little bit, just give them a little glimpse behind the curtain. Um, so to be on camera without a mask, I will have that. I have to test negative before the game. Um, if not, you know, um, you know, then I won't be on the game period. Right. But like they, but just, they, they want that to be the protocol. So, okay. I've test negative every time that I've had a game. Um, and, but as soon as I'm off camera, I'm immediately putting my mask back on because to your point, a lot of the media sections and both of you know, this are going to be, and even my position for as a sideline reporter is sandwiched between a ton of fans. So now I think the league has done a better job in, at least for me of keeping me further away from, from fans like in Dallas, the media section where we were is right behind the scores table. And there's at least, um, you know, there used to be seats right up to the back of where we were. And I think they had several rows that were were not filled on purpose to keep the media safer. Um, but, yeah, to your point, like, it, at least with me, I, I immediately, as soon as the, the camera's off, I'm, I'm masking back up. I'm not eating at games. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Um, and now with Omicron, like, I, I, you know, at least when I was with the crew and we all knew we were vaccinated and, and everyone had tested negative, I would. I would feel a little more relaxed um, in the arena and like our green room or whatever per se. But even now, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how safe I would feel because to your point earlier, Brian, I mean, boosted is the new vaccinated um, and I'm boosted. And I know that, that, that most of my colleagues are, but it, it is certainly something to watch out for. And I think if you're a player, I, I would see masks back on the, on the bench being a thing if, if they're not boosted, I, I think that may end up being a requirement. And that's just me recklessly speculating. 
But just based on the way this thing is spreading and how quickly it's spreading. Yeah. And also for the fans, they're going to have to I, different places have different rules. Right. And different places have different enforcement, but they're going to have to enforce it because. And the other thing is, like, let's just be honest. There, there's no way that there's not having some on court spread here. Right. I mean, I can't say that with like on the witness stand, you know, the NBA could push back and say, prove that. And I couldn't prove it. Let's just look what's going on. Look at how many, look at how many teams are getting widespread, you know, well, like Okoro, man, Okoro dunked on them three dudes the other day and then he tested positive the next right. day. That's the thing. Like <laughs> if a team, if it, like right now, as we sit here and speak, 19 teams have positive tests, but there's 11 teams that don't have any positives. So nobody's getting tested. Do you think there's nobody on that of those teams that are positive? But what's happening is if a player is, is, has symptoms and gets tested and then is positive, then the whole team gets tested. Right. That's what happened with the Cavs. One player tested positive. They tested everybody off. So all of a sudden they had six other positives. Okay. But so this is what I'm talking about. The other thing is these teams were all complaining about, wait a minute. Some of us who rack up against the luxury tax or in the luxury tax, we have to sign all these replacement players. So the league changed the rules over the weekend and said, okay, if you sign a replacement player, you don't have to pay tax on it. For a team like the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat are $180,000 under the salary, under the luxury tax. They don't want to go into the tax to pay replacement players. So the league said, all right, number one, you're going to sign a replacement player for everybody who gets sick. Or I think it's one for every two players that get sick. Yep. Number two, you're going to have to have those replacement players at hand, which I assume means that they're going to, the, the, the G league teams are just going to be like taxi squads. And number three, you don't have to, you don't have to pay tax on Yes. You, you have to give them the money. There's even Bobby Marks was telling me there, the, the league is even going to reimburse some of the teams, some of the money that they have to pay for these guys. So the league is doing everything it possibly can to have a, to have a supply of players so that we can keep playing games and play on Christmas. And look, even if there's G league players who are starting on Christmas day, it is better to have that than not have any Christmas day games. So if people want to get their jokes off and they want to make fun of the ratings, you know, quite frankly, there's three NFL games on Christmas day this year. Yeah. The there's NFL, the NFL a couple of years ago decided, you know what? You're not taking Christmas anymore. This is our thing. Right. Well, it's going to be hard if it's on like a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, right? But this year it's on a Saturday next year. It's on a Sunday. So guess what? This hey, year, the ratings probably we're not going to be okay. super great going up against three NFL games. So, just blame it on COVID, whatever the ratings are, it's, you know, yeah. blame it on COVID. Um, but they get the games. All right, Spears, you have to go to fly to Vegas. You did a story on the G League Ignite today. I wish people would check it out. I think it's fascinating um, the way this is going. Here's what I think is fascinating. The G League Ignite practices all their, their time in the, in the Bay Area, in Walnut Creek, California, in East Bay. All their home games are played in Vegas. This G League Ignite is like, you know, how could you not want to play all your games in Vegas? This is a this is a great setup. They're all good. Hey man, paid. you know the Bay Area is sensitive to anything that that, that uh, Vegas takes away. Uh oh, so careful with yeah. that right uh -oh. now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but here's uh, what I want to ask you about one of these guys, Scoot Henderson. Um, Outstanding. Keep say that name again so everybody in the back hears that name. Scoot Henderson. So I know that they're doing this. I talked on the pod last week about Overtime Elite. I went and saw their operation in uh, Atlanta. They're doing great things too. Scoot Henderson is a high school junior from Atlanta. From Atlanta. So he signed up for two years, 500000 a year, right? Yeah. He could get a million dollars before he gets drafted. Smart. I mean, this is a new thing where they're going to take yeah. 16, 17 year olds and pay him for two years. Yeah. 
Or no, he's a high school junior or high school senior. He'd be a senior. No, he's he a junior now. All right. So he can play three years? Um, he, well, no, he's a junior this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of confusing. All right. Maybe. No, 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 no. You're, you're right. He's, he would have been a senior this year. Okay. So he's a senior. But he's, so he's the first kid that of co- that's not of college age to play for them. Yeah. 17 when he went to play. Yeah. So, so he'll he, play he this year draft. and next year. Yeah. And I mean, he's had games where he's already had 27. 20, you know, like he's balled out. Like he looks. This is amazing. He, he's this killing is- too now. And he's playing against, you know, I talked to him and I said, any regrets? I said, you're missing homecoming. You're missing prom. You know, he's like, man, this is, I, I would make this decision again. I'm hoping. I'm good. I'm, I'm not worried G's. about all that stuff. 500,000. He can have his own prom. I mean, he can still <laughs> go to prom. That's he can true. fly yeah, yeah. first class back to Atlanta and go to prom. Yeah. yeah I okay. think he could probably get a date. I don't know him at all, but my guess is he could get a date if he wanted yeah. to go back to prom. By the but way, like their this, development this is, is outstanding. Like Jason Hart is doing a great, great job. And he used to, just came from USC. So he has a right mindset for these kids. Yeah. And by the way, Mark, I mean, this is internationally. This stuff happens all the time with soccer. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, Messi and, and Ronaldo. I mean, these guys were 14 years old or younger yeah. <laughs> when they were you know, sent to these academies for Barcelona and Madrid and all that like that. Yeah. This is like, sec, you know, this happens all the time in, in that part of the world. Plus, yeah. they're teaching them how to handle this. I hope they're teaching them how to handle this five hundred grand, right? Like they're right. They're, 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 oh, they're, they're, they're like, going hey. through all. They're doing financial aid. They're doing health and fit. I mean, uh, eating. Um, they 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 have media training. Um, they have a great PR lady there. Uh, you know, Mara. I mean, like so. They're learning a lot of things other than just like going to class, I guess, but. Right. They're certainly getting some major training there. And, and before he got hurt, I think Jalen and Kaminga will tell you it, it helped prepare them in a lot of ways. Man, check out that story. The undefeated. Thank you, Spears, for making time. Have a safe trip in Vegas. Stay safe out there. Thank you, Georgie, for uh, coming on for the first time. I'll try to get on your schedule a couple months to try to do this again. Um, we're watching you on uh, Saturday up in Milwaukee, 2 o'clock, right? 2 o'clock that game is? Yeah, 2 o'clock Eastern, yep. 2.30, maybe 2.30. 2.30, sorry, yes. 2.30. Sorry, right. noon is the first game, yeah. All right, safe travels. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Take care, fellas. See you, brother.